The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss marketing success through differentiation. Joining us is Oren Hoffman, who is the CEO of SafeGraph and the former CEO and co-founder of LiveRamp. SafeGraph is a geospatial data company that provides high-quality data on physical places to organizations like Cisco, Domino's, Citizens Bank, and more. Yesterday, Oren and I talked about data priority differentiation for marketers, and today we're going to talk about the data ecosystem and accessibility predictions. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Oren Hoffman, the CEO of SafeGraph. Oren, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Benjamin. Excited to have you back on the show. Excited to be here. All right. So yesterday we talked about data priorities, and really your data priorities should be use your own data first. But we're in an environment that's rapidly changing. So talk to me a little bit about the data ecosystem as it exists today. And what are some accessibility predictions that you have moving forward? Well, if we think of data, there's kind of four quadrants of any data. One axis to think about is if you're selling data, are you a data company or are you an application? So are you selling actual data or are you building some sort of application on top of it to analyze facts, to help people make decisions, et cetera? So that's kind of one core axis to think about. The second axis is, are you kind of backward looking? Are you a truth company? Do you actually work on facts? Or are you forward looking? Are you some sort of predictive company called religion company that looks for the future? So maybe if you think of like Experian, Experian shows that you paid your bill, your utility bill on time, that's backward looking. FICO would be more religion, but they're predicting whether you would pay your utility bill in the future. So figuring out where any company is in these kind of like core quadrants is important to understand the entire data ecosystem. Okay, so your two by two is, are you a data vendor where you're selling access to the data or are you providing the truth, accessibility to data that already exists? Help me understand the difference between those two. I'm not sure I I caught the first two parts of our two by two. So one axis is, are you just selling data? Or are you some sort of core application, which may have data as a core ingredient in that application, but there is usually some sort of UI or some sort of core analytics system, et cetera, in your application. So that's one axis. And then the second axis is, are you kind of selling truth facts or are you selling some sort of predictions? 
Okay, so if we're setting the table there with that being the ecosystem, what are some of the things that are changing in terms of data accessibility? And what are some of your predictions moving forward? The number one thing that's changing is that the number of data-oriented people out there is growing rapidly. Data scientists, data engineers, core product people that are used to working with data has been growing massively. Marketers posing as data engineers. All of the above, yeah. It used to be that there were actually very, very few companies that could buy data. So actually selling data, especially data like facts, so kind of like backward-looking data, was historically actually a pretty bad business. I feel like it generally is frowned upon, right? People think of selling data as, ooh, Facebook sold our data. That's a bad thing. Certainly on consumers, for sure. But even if you're selling, let's say, stock ticker data or something like that, going back the last 120 years, you can backtest your models or something. You could sell that data directly, or you could have a backtesting application, which already has the data in there. It was a lot easier to sell the backtesting application than it would be to just sell that data because there are so few buyers Of course, there there were always a few buyers who could have bought that data, but there were very, very, very few. And actually, it was much easier to just sell the application that already had the data baked into it. That is changing because there's way more buyers today. There's still not a lot, but way more buyers today than there were just a few years ago. It's funny. I went into this a little bit. We're kicking the tires on building a data podcast retargeting tool. So we can retarget the people that listen to this podcast with ads from our sponsors, or we can help other podcasters do it. And It was my first time actually thinking about buying data. When you think about some of the privacy concerns and regulations that have changed, it seems like there's a lot of gray area when it comes down to the purchase and usage of data. And it's kind of like, well, the rules and regulations, I'll use podcasting as an example. You're supposed to put an opt-in to allow people to opt out of collecting your data. Well, I don't own the iTunes player. I can't include an opt-out, so I can put a link in my podcast notes, but I can't actually force someone to opt in or opt out of data collection. There's a lot of gray area in what's happening with data, how it's collected, and whether you can buy or sell it. Talk to me about what's happening sort of on the privacy perspective, like what's changing in data, which direction do you think we're going? Well, remember, data is about four nouns. So you've got data about people, places, organizations, and products. The first noun, there's a lot of privacy things that need to go around that data around people. The other nouns, firmographic data about General Electric or something like that, what their revenues were recently or how many offices they have or what's their business lines or something like that. There's no like necessarily privacy data about that if you want to know how many calories in a can of Coca-Cola or something like that. So the big privacy things that we're talking about are really data about people, which is a subset of all that data that's out there. And then the question is, are you doing something in marketing? Sometimes in marketing, you're actually targeting somebody specifically. So I'm targeting Benjamin or something like that. Then I think we need a lot of regulation and we need to really make sure that we're doing the right thing because we're doing something on a specific person. There could be scenarios like the U.S. Census where they have a lot of data about people and they might be collecting very, very sensitive data, but their end product is an aggregation. And that aggregation is very, very valuable for all of society. COVID stats or something like that. The data coming in is super sensitive, but the data that you read in the New York Times about the most recent COVID stats is really valuable for society. So it also depends on how that data is protected all the way through and then what the end product is. Is the end product some sort of aggregation or is the end product actually data on an individual where we're going to need a lot more security and privacy and other types of things? 
A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. I feel like there's so much nuance and it's left up to interpretation where it's, I don't want the Facebooks of the world. They're obviously the leading candidate of data abuse, at least publicly speaking, unfortunately. You know, it's like, I don't want Facebook to take my data and sell it to people that I don't want to. But I like the ads on Instagram. I like that they're relevant and targeted. And so I feel like there's this big push in terms of the first noun, you mentioned the people, where we all want to say that we want privacy, but we also like are divulging of our data in a lot of different ways. There's also been a bunch of regulations. It's data different and in your ability to collect in Europe, in California. Do you anticipate that there's going to be more formalization of what you can and can't do with data? Is there going to be regulation? Are there going to be best practices, standards? I think a good prediction would be data. It will become more regulated over time and data about people will be more regulated. It's also the other thing to remember about data about people is security is really important. You can have all the privacy you want, but if your data is not secure and it gets hacked and it gets put on the dark web, like it doesn't matter. So you see some of the best organizations that are out there that have been hacked, even our own government with state secrets, even the NSA has been hacked. So keeping that data secure is also a core part of privacy. Okay, so you gave us two predictions there. One, that there's going to be an increased amount of regulation, and two, that security is going to become closer tied to data, and it's going to be more important for companies that are collecting data to be able to make sure that that is not shared where it shouldn't be. Give me a couple more predictions. Give me two more predictions before we let you go. What's going to happen in the data ecosystem in the next you know, five years or so? Well, I think the most important thing is understanding the value it can be used for good. And sometimes in marketing, it's like hard to understand. In marketing, okay, yeah, you get some better ads. And it's not really that clear that it's, it's really going to make society better in marketing. But in many other areas, like in healthcare, we could actually be using this data in an extremely effective way to make everyone's healthcare better. We could be making better decisions for society. We can be making traffic better. 
how do we use this data in a privacy safe way for good? And the biggest things that are happening, the biggest innovations that are happening, the most exciting ones in data and technology are on the privacy space. There's all these great innovations in differential privacy and homomorphic encryption and all these other ways of being able to deal with fairly sensitive data and being able to ask questions of that data without being able to see the underlying data. Can I be the first one that coins the term privacy tech? I feel like that's going to be a thing. Well, it's certainly already been a thing. It's been one of the most amazing innovations that have been happening over the last 15 years. We're seeing a massive change. Obviously, there's a lot of investment that's going into it from governments, from academia, and a lot of private and public companies are focused on it as well. It's really, really exciting. And some people see this trade-off, like either I use data or privacy, but actually they're not mutually exclusive. They're actually mutually inclusive. We're going to be able to have our cake and eat it too. We're going to be able to get all the benefits from data, at least from a society standpoint, without any of the drawbacks with privacy. I guess the last question I have for you, and this is a little bit of a sticky one, it seems like there is a little bit of a turf war or a land grab from the major technology companies, Apple and Google restricting access to different types of data, whether it's through iOS updates and some of the privacy opt-ins that Apple's added, Google going away from third-party cookies. My feeling is that those are companies that are saying, if the data is created on our platforms, we want to be the only ones who could use it or decide how it's going to be shared. Do you see the platforms being, I don't know, a little bit more particular in what types of data they want to sell moving forward? Well, certainly, generally, when governments tend to regulate things, it's almost always good for the very big companies and almost bad for everybody else, because the big companies are the ones who get to write the regulations. So we saw in GDPR that after GDPR happened, Google's market share and Facebook's market share in Europe went up dramatically. They became more entrenched, not less entrenched. And that's not because the intentions of GDPR were bad. It's just because, well, look, Google and Facebook and Apple, they have incredibly talented people who are in the room helping write those regulations. And it's in their best interest to write the regulations in a way that most benefits them. Whereas if you're a small company, maybe a small startup, innovative company, you don't have any ability to influence the direction of where those go. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, look, whether it's the platforms that are changing, whether it's the governments that are adding in more restrictions and protections in terms of privacy, or whether it's just the technology curve continuing, there's going to be lots of changes in the data ecosystem in the next decade or so. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Oren Hoffman, the CEO of SafeGraph. Join us again tomorrow when Oren and I wrap up our conversation and discuss if every tech company is an ad tech company. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Oren, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Oren, A-U-R-E-N, or you can visit his company's website, which is safegraph.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. 
And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.